Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hey everybody, it's Brian Kemper here with Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. I am the Youth Outreach Director of Priest for Life and founder and director of Stand True Pro-Life Outreach. I'm excited about uh, tonight's episode. I have with me a friend, a new friend who I've been working with recently and really excited to be able to stand next to him at different events. Um, but I'm going to let him talk to you a little bit about his vision. <coughs> Excuse me for creating sanctuary cities for the unborn. That's right, cities where children inside the womb will always be safe as abortion will not be allowed in those cities. So let it. Let me introduce to you Mark Lee Dixon. Mark, how are we doing today? Doing great. Great to be here. All right. So recently, uh, we've been able to stand together at the medical examiner's office, the Supreme Court, some other stuff. Uh, but before we get into all of that, which we will talk about, um, I want you to tell me a little bit about like how you got involved in the pro-life movement. What what got you initially wanting to do something actively in this movement? Well, uh, growing up, I would go to the Gregg County Fair. And when I get, went to the Gregg County Fair in Longview, Texas, we always stopped by the exhibit building to see my grandfather. And my grandfather was a Gregg County Republican chair, but he also was a director with Right to Life of East Texas. And at the Right to Life of East Texas booth, they would have these little fetal models. And I remember we would drop by his booth and, and just see grandpa and looked at those fetal models and they had a, a big impact on my life. Well, years passed and kept on going year after year to the, the, the fair booth. And when my grandfather passed away of cancer in 2006, I felt like I wanted to get involved in something that he was involved in. And so I got involved in Right to Life of East Texas, became a director with them. And I've been a director for over 10 years with the organization. Now, we're a small organization founded in 1976. And most of our work has been, you know, we have the our annual banquet, we give scholarship awards out to high school uh, seniors that are uh, very pro-life and seeking to uh, continue their pro-life uh, activities in, in college and, and different outreach events. And I started, I was involved in that, then I started getting involved in the uh, sidewalk advocacy. And so I found myself on the sidewalk of the abortion facility in Shreveport, Louisiana. And from there, it just progressed. Uh, I, I found myself three days a week outside the abortion facility, just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and encouraging uh, mothers to choose life. And we started saving uh, those mothers and helping them with different resources. And, and then one day, I heard about this abortion facility crossing the border to a little place called Wascom, Texas. And 
that city ended up becoming the first city to outlaw abortion. And then there's 48 other cities that have passed ordinances since then. And so we're seeing that, that this isn't going to go away anytime soon, that there are going to continue to be cities outlawing abortion. And so most of my work here recently has been with helping cities pass ordinances that outlaw abortion within their city limits. So this is something you're calling sanctuary cities for life, correct? Correct. Sanctuary so, cities for the unborn. Sanctuary cities for the unborn. So this is in, in basically a place where no unborn child can be killed in the womb. No unborn child can be killed in the womb. Obviously, people can go to different cities, but it, I think it's still a very symbolic and, and beautiful thing for a city to say, we, we don't want child killing in, in our city. Uh, I know I think the closest one to me here in Ohio would be Lebanon, Ohio. And um, I know that recently uh, people are coming against Lebanon uh, to um, to try to fight this law. I believe a lawsuit had been filed. Is that is that correct? That that uh, pro-abortion forces are trying to uh, stop uh, what's going on in Lebanon, Ohio. Absolutely. And, you know, every lawsuit that's been brought against a sanctuary city for the unborn ordinance has not survived. Seven cities in East Texas were sued in 2020, and those lawsuits did not survive. Uh, abortion remains banned in those seven cities. And then in last year, when the city of Lubbock, population 264,000, when they outlawed abortion, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU sued the city of Lubbock, and that lawsuit lasted a couple of weeks. It did not survive. And they had a Planned Parenthood that was performing abortions, and it got shut down. The abortion services got shut down. And so since June 1, no abortions have taken place in Lubbock, Texas. And both the lawsuit in federal court that was filed against the city of Lubbock, that didn't survive. They appealed it eventually to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, but Planned Parenthood themselves withdrew the appeal. And so there's no litigation in the city of Lubbock at this point. The lawsuit filed in Lebanon, Ohio is, is interesting. Uh, it's, I think it's a sign of desperation that they are trying to do everything they can to just fight against what is inevitable, that cities are going to keep outlawing abortion and the ruling which is to come out it's it's not going to change so how how did this really like there was the the abortion mill in texas a small town that outlawed it that, or that you guys did it how did this grow into such a national uh uh, uh happening or movement that's going on well, when Wascom outlawed abortion on June 11th of 2019, the ACLU was very clear. Uh, they said that this, this ordinance makes it impossible for abortion facility to set up in Wascom, Texas. Well, it, it ended up spreading. Uh, there were other people that said, we want to be a sanctuary city for the unborn too. We don't ever want abortion in our facility. Uh, in our city. And so little by little, uh, city after city stood up. And, you know, it's interesting, the city of Wascombe, 2,189, 
people, very small community, but their action to, to really make sure their city was protected. And what made Wascom really unique was in the early 90s, someone down in the Houston area had pledged land in a building to an abortion facility in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is 18 miles over across the border, uh, Texas-Louisiana border. And so that abortion facility had this land in Texas. Abortion restrictions were tightening in Louisiana, and they said, Texas looks pretty good. Uh, and so at that time, uh, they, the director said it would make sense if abortion was ever shut down in Louisiana to cross the border to Wascom, Texas. Now, of course, with the Texas Heartbeat Act, it's a very different climate now. But at one time, Louisiana's laws looked far more aggressive than uh, Texas laws. In fact, uh, Texas was ranked number 17 while Louisiana was at number one uh, back when they first uh, passed the ordinance in Wascom. You know, it's... It it's kind of amazing to me the way that people try to frame this, um, you know, when, when in reality, what you're doing is saying that human beings, regardless of their location, if they are in this town are safe from someone ripping their arms and legs off from, from someone, you know, separating their head from their body. And that, that to be graphic, that's really what is going on. Abortion is just a word that, that describes a, an act of homicide, um, whether you use a gun or a rope or a knife or poison or abortion tools, it's always an act of homicide against an innocent human baby. And so for, for me to even wrap my head around why people would be so upset that a city says we don't want children ripped limb from limb in our borders, you know, that, it, but when you really look at the other side and look at their arguments and look at what they say and stuff, they, they want nothing to do with scientific facts. They want nothing to do with truth. They want nothing to do with what's really going on. It's just emotional screaming and yelling for the right to possibly in the future kill their own child so they can have their convenient life that they want. Uh, you and I have seen that. Um, you and I have seen that uh, in, in front of the Supreme Court a few weeks ago. And in, even let's go back before that to when we were at the medical examiner's office in Washington, D.C. Here we were because 115 bodies, 115 bodies of individual unique human persons were found um, in cardboard boxes in a truck, going into a truck to be taken to a research facility where they were researching to turn human remains into energy. Um, right. You know, it just reminds me to Soylent Green or something. You know, it's it's an, it, it, insanity to think about. But the five of those, which who we, I'm wearing the shirt, Justice for the Five, uh, we were both there at the medical examiner's office demanding justice for the five late-term abortions. And one, which I, you could almost say it wasn't abortion because they, they removed this child in the sack where that child then suffocated to death outside the womb. You know, and, and this this is the type of stuff we're standing against, um, yet we still see such a strong resistance. I mean, the mayor of D.C., the medical examiner, nobody is willing to investigate these late, late-term abortions. No one is willing to investigate because then they have to admit at that point, if there's something wrong with late-term abortion, 
then there's something wrong with abortion. So when when you came out to the medical examiner's office, you know, seeing you, you had already seen the videos, you know, you'd seen the the, the, the the pictures, you'd seen it and standing there, you know, and witnessing the police stopping us from even laying flowers on the steps of the office. You know, wh what goes through your mind of where our nation is at? <coughs> our nation's really uh, in, a, in a bad spot. Uh, in this whole city, I think it's very clear where the city stands. The majority of the city council members here in this city, just this uh, just this past week, have put forth that they want Washington D.C. to be a sanctuary city for abortion, and so. They're talking about passing an ordinance here in Washington, D.C. to make this place a sanctuary city for abortion and invite people to this, this, this city to get abortions. And so when you have a city that excited about abortion, uh, these people really are pro-abortion. And it, it makes the situation uh, with that we were fighting at the medical examiner's office uh, that much more bleak because this is the type of government that we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a government that, that is for uh, abortion. And, and the new Planned Parenthood headquarters there in Washington, D.C., ironically located basically in between two elementary schools, two elementary schools, you know, uh, on, on, on either side or in front and in the side and absolutely. And then on the other side of the building is a yard with a big playground. Like I've been there and looking around, you cannot get, get your eyes out of the range of where children should be playing and learning and, and, and laughing and, and skipping rope and, and, and playing hopscotch and, you know, whatever, whatever games that the kids are playing yet this large mega abortion mill is plopped right in the center of that and right next door where kids are playing and laughing other kids are being taken into a building and their lives are ended that day like they will never play in a playground they will never hop in hopscotch they will never jump a rope they will never do of that i have stood in front of that building countless times and um sidewalk counseled and been there i've even had you know, uh, one man uh, threatened he's going to get a gun and shoot us. And the abortion facility workers lied to the police and said he never said it, which they knew he said it. They were sitting right there. They hurried him into the building to hide him after that. And then actually lied to the police about someone threatening to shoot us. Uh, my son, myself and others that were there. Um, it, the, the, the absolute disregard for truth and human life uh, in those facilities, uh, it doesn't surprise me, but it should surprise most people. Um, so all of this going on, obviously with Roe versus Wade in the, in the balance with the Supreme court, uh, about to hand down a decision with the leak that happened about the early, early draft, the first draft of that decision. Um, I know both you and I, um, when we found out that there were uh, hundreds if not, and thousands of people 
you know, descending on the Supreme Court, screaming bloody murder and 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 the most profane things and screaming uh, for abortion on demand through all nine months paid for by taxpayers. You and I and a couple others basically got on a plane and said, we are not going to allow this to go on in the public eye without at least a voice for life in the middle of that. Um, you and I both arrived on uh, on a Tuesday night. Uh, you know, I, I had actually just flown to Florida to meet with Father Frank and others, and then immediately got on a plane back down to D.C. So let's go through. I want to go through those couple days with you. I want to I want to talk about what went on there, and we'll we'll put some pictures up on the screen, uh, you know, for people to see and such. But when when I woke up, I remember that morning I, I got up before you and I and our friend AJ shared a room and I walked, uh, I wanted to walk and pray um, and uh, down to the, to the Supreme Court. It was about 20, 25 minute walk. And as I was walking, uh, one, I passed Rand Paul just walking down the road and got to talk to him a little bit and thank him for his pro-life stance and such. But as I walked up to the Supreme Court, you know, and I've I've been to that building. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've been to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, seeing the barricades and seeing what was was starting, and, and the the no no scale walls weren't even up yet. But standing there, um, just holding a sign, and as we gathered there that day, and and pro boards were chanting, and you know, different things that were going on that day. We did a lot of interviews. What happened that night, that first night, is is really when when things got exposed of how how bad this is going to get. And this was, um, there were I think you and I were at opposite sides of the court, both walking. We had taken a break. We were going to go to dinner. We found out there was like four hundred screaming, yelling pro-abortion protesters out there. So we decided to go and just just hold a sign. Uh, I remember my sign that just said uh, "Dismantle Roe." And um, as I stood in the center of these 400 people, you and Reverend Mahoney and A.J. Hurley came up, um, that's when the crowd first closed in and started to attack. Um, I was the first one. I got punched in the chest, signs ripped out. The police started to surround us. And I, I, think, I think that we thought, okay, okay, you know, cops are going to separate. We're going to, you know, and everything. And then they moved uh, all of the pro-abortion protesters to basically right it smack in front of the court and tried to block us from being a pro-life voice right in front of the court. Like literally like with, with police bicycles, a line of police bikes. We stood there. They kept saying they're going to let us go. They're going to let us go. They're going to let us go. And then finally said, no, nah, we're not going to let you stand there. Only they can stand there and, and, and raise their voice, which that right there. I mean, regardless of the issue, free speech, especially in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America, should be monumental, should be yeah. monumental. I mean, had you ever seen police go to that much of an effort to, to tell people, no, you cannot practice your free speech rights? I, I never saw it before. And. You know, I think it's worth noting that uh, Reverend Patrick Mahoney said that he hadn't ever seen that before either. And, and yeah. he's been out there for 30 years or so, or maybe maybe even longer, longer than that. Longer, because I've been going for 35 and he's been going longer than I have. Yeah. So 
So then you and I and Reverend Mahoney and AJ, we took a walk. We walked around the Capitol uh, area, st- area and went to the other side of the Supreme Court and started to approach to stand in front of the Supreme Court where we were met again uh, with police bicycles who were blocking us. But at that point, this is even they started to allow the pro-abortion protesters to cross the police line over to us and surround us and start screaming at us again and start yelling at us again. And that is when you were hit in the back of the head. Like literally I I watched a police officer yell, she just hit him in the head, you know, and your head, you know, jolts forward. And what, what went through your mind at that moment? Well, uh, I knew I was hit. (laughs) Uh, It was in a way, it's almost like that Seinfeld episode where Kramer, you know, he gets hit. But, uh, you know, my, my head went forward. My cap fell off. And, and, and uh, that's just funny. Is the, one of the first things you asked us. Is my cap okay? Is my hat all right? <laughs> you didn't even care about your head. Just your hat. But, um, you know, I turned around. I saw this girl walking off. And uh, I yelled, assault. She assaulted me. And, of course, um, the police did. Uh, go over there and, and talk to her. They came over to me and they, they started well, asking me questions. Let's, let's go back a, a few seconds because it took them a few minutes to even acknowledge it. Like they were, because I remember when you first do it, they were trying to push us back from approaching over there. And finally, the officer, I heard over the radio, the officer that witnessed the assault, please, and he walked over immediately and was very forthcoming and said, yes, she hit him in the back of the head. Um, but the it seemed at that point they were kind of wishy-washy on whether they wanted to have you press charges or not, or, or do anything about it. Cause she was just sitting there. And I remember uh, Mark, and I know this is something that, that was a deep um, faith conviction for you is you looked at this girl who was literally bawling her eyes out, whether it was real or fake, we don't, we don't know, but she all of a sudden, said she realized what she did and she was bawling her eyes out. And you for about five or 10 minutes before they even allowed it possibly to happen, were begging the officers to let you and her talk and give her a chance to apologize and you'd drop everything. Uh, I remember watching you over and over and they're like, we're not gonna let you talk to her. We're not gonna let you talk to her. We're not, you know? And you finally kind of yelled over the officers that you wanted her to talk to you and explain why she did it and 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 ask for an apology. Um, kind of walk us through that moment as she as she came up to you. Absolutely. So, uh, and I was very clear with the officers that there's two parts to this. I, I want an explanation of why she did it, and give her a chance to apologize. And they did bring her over, and as she did apologize for hitting me, I asked her why she did it. And she said she didn't want to tell me. Now, I had said. And, and you're, you could tell I, I was standing right there. You could tell she was just kind of, I'm sorry, just to yeah. try to get out of it. And you were trying to get her to open up and just talk to you. Because you now, and I had actually had many conversations. Uh, there was a kid, uh, Asher, that we talked to for over an hour on a, on a wall. There were, there were several of these protesters that sat and had very nice, beautiful conversations with us 
um, and and even acknowledged that they felt you know it was wrong for all the screaming you know and stuff. And that's I know that that's what you wanted. You wanted to just have a peaceful conversation with this young lady. And what really grieved my heart was the fact that you know had she said, "Look, I'm really passionate about the subject and." I just lost control. My emotions got the best of me. Uh, I had a friend that had an abortion. This is a issue close to my heart. And I shouldn't have, have raised my hand in anger and hit you on the head. That was wrong. And I'm sorry. Had she said that, that that's all I wanted. Uh, I wanted some type of explanation uh, of, of why she did what she did. Uh, to say, I don't want to tell you. Yeah, it, it was. It, yeah. And I understand. And then so but they end up letting her go and they gave you the option of going to the police station, which you did not do, I believe, and press right. charges. And, and I and I applaud you for for your your sticking to your convictions about forgiveness. And I and I and I do understand that when I was sexually assaulted a couple of years ago at the Supreme Court, I, I decided to forgive and not press charges and such. There are times and places for that. The, the next day, here's here's where it even now, gets wilder. On that note, though, on that note, I do, I do think there can be forgiveness and still pressing charges. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, at this point, I have not pressed charges, but that doesn't mean that. I mean, if you I won't, see her out a, a beat hitting someone else in the head, or if I see her posting online bragging about things and saying, "Oh, he's not going to do this or that." I could press charges. And so, so I, yeah, we got a few more minutes left. I'm going to have you close us in prayer in about three to four minutes, but uh, time flies. But the next, so the next day, here we go. They, they the pro boards have their spot. They let them have it. They keep us out with bicycles. The next day we go and we set up in the morning around, around 10 o'clock and at noon, we hold a national day of prayer event. It happened to be the national day of prayer. And we have our people and we're praying and the police allow the pro-abort protester then to surround us and scream over our prayer and chant and yell and fl and do all this stuff right in our faces and would not do a thing about that. They wouldn't let us peacefully hold a sign, but they would let the other side come and scream and yell and basically interrupt this prayer service for the National Day of Prayer. And, and, and pointing out the hypocrisy, the police just stand and look at us. They just stand and look at us. And then that night, um, uh, I ended up getting hit in the head, on the side of the head, and then an umbrella to my face. Again, police not doing anything about it. All of that aside, I don't care how many times they hit me in the head. I don't care how many times they hit you. I mean, I care, but I don't because we're going to stand and we're going to do what's right. We're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to back down. We're not going to, to go away. We are going to continue to be a voice for life. And I think the other side understands that, that this, uh, this, this false god of, of Roe versus Wade is about to fall. It's about to tumble. And, and this, this, this uh, sacred cow is, is no longer sacred. And um, we're going to see Roe versus Wade. I, I like to use the word dismembered. Absolutely dismembered. Um, it's what they do to children. And that's what we're going to do to Roe versus Wade. Now, does that mean our battle's over? 
No, it's actually just beginning the real battle as we go back to the States and such. So, Mark, I, I, I appreciate you coming on today and I, I appreciate standing side by side with you on the streets. I mean, there's a million more things I'd love to talk about with sanctuary cities. And as as we wait for the decision to come down, um, I'm sure that we'll both be seeing each other very soon again at the Supreme Court and other places. But um, I want to talk to you more about sanctuary cities and and all of the stuff that's that's going on when the Lebanon decision comes back. I want to hear more about that. But I just want to thank you for being a voice, for being willing. I know you're still in D.C., I believe. Um, I am back in Ohio, but hopefully we'll get back out there soon. Um, you know, uh, I happen to have kids, so I need to, you know, also spend time at home and such. So, but Mark, I'd like you to go ahead and close us in prayer. I'll, I'll be right back to, to say goodbye, everybody. Our Father God, Lord, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the the pro-life movement. God, it's been a long time, 49 years of, of fighting this battle. And God, I know that this decision that is coming out is not going to be the end of, of fighting for life. But God, I pray that this will be a great reminder that, that our prayers have not been unheard, that you have heard, heard our prayers and that you are uh, someone that does answer prayers. God, I just pray that all the pro-life activists across America will not uh, feel like now's the time to, to retire, but that they'll keep on fighting and that we will not rest until every square inch of America is protected, that every square inch of America, it, it isn't allowed to end the life of an unborn child. God, help us do this for the sake of, of you. Um, God, help us bring a close to this horrible American abortion holocaust that has abused women and killed their children for 49 years. It's in your precious and holy something we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Mark, thank you very much. Now it's time for my shameless plug for my new book, Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. Uh, if you have not read this, please go to ProLifeProducts.org, pick one up, uh, go to our website, StandTrue.com, click on the, the link for that. Uh, I think that you'll enjoy it. I'd love to hear what you think about it. But uh, this has been Brian Kemper, Youth Director for Priests for Life, with my friend Mark Lee Dixon, and ProLife is the new punk rock, and we'll see you next week. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.